You are listening to ABC Music History with your lovely and scholarly hosts, A, B, and C. Our show today opened with a tiny snippet of Mikhail Glinka's overture to Ruslan and Ludmilla, which is an opera that he composed in 1842. The plot is really fun and a, a little bit canned. So, Connor, can you give us what we want and give us the synopsis of the plot? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Ruslan and Ludmilla obviously circles around Ruslan and Ludmilla, as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruslan uh, and Ludmilla are getting married. And there's two other suitors at their wedding. And during the middle of it, during all of this fun and frivolity, an evil wizard casts a spell. (gasps) I know, freezes time, steals the girl, and runs away. Everyone freaks out. Um, Panic ensues. And the king is like, yo, help. Whoever saves my daughter gets to marry her. So this obviously hypes up everybody. After a long adventure, uh, they eventually come across a good wizard named Finn, who gives them some hints on where to find her. Um, after they find her uh, and they steal her back for a little bit, the evil wizard gets to cast a sleeping spell on her as one final trick, and no one really knows how to wake her up, but they're still going to bring her back to Kiev. Um, so as they're sitting around camp one night, they're all kind of wondering what to do. Uh, one of the three suitors actually steals Lidmilla and they takes her back to Kiev to try to claim the prize for himself. So after uh, Lidmilla is brought back to Kiev by one of the suitors and they have no way of waking her up from the evil wizard spell, um, it's kind of a bust for them. You know, they're totally lost. He knows he's not going to marry her. So uh, at this point, it's a pretty low section of the piece. But then Finn and the everyone else comes back in, the quote-unquote good suitors. And uh, he has a magic ring that he was given from Finn to help break the curse. And once it's done, bam. They're in love. It's a big party again. Everyone's rejoicing in their faith, and they're uh, the young couple. And for this love of the mo- like the motherland was really really central to this, especially ending theme. Speaking of the motherland, what was it kind of like this time? Well, Russia was an area of rapid expansion in land and population. Education was at the forefront as it sought to achieve parity with Central Europe. Yay! Woo! However, Russia in the 18th century was not the most pleasant place to live with all of the wars and stuff going on. And specifically, you're talking about the Russian court around St. Petersburg, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Oh, that's the one. Yep. So although the throne itself was a revolving door until Catherine the Great, the other installments of the court tried, mostly in vain, to keep up strong outward appearances to play into their gilded might. Some key battles that occurred during this tumultuous time were the war uh polish succession rhineland the russo yep the (laughs) there were a lot of wars there were a lot of them basically yep um and and so many so many wars so of course music fits into the scene um of russian life at this time and so perhaps the most well-known russian composer to come out of the classical area in um era in Russia is Mikhail Glinka, um, 1804 to 1857. Glinka was the very first Russian composer to gain wide recognition within Russia, um, and he's often referred to as the genesis of Russian classical music. And some other notable musicians of this time are Anna Ionovna, 
uh, Catherine the Great, Maxime Berezovsky, Dmitry Bordniansky, and Artem Fidel. But we're just going to be focusing on Glinka and Catherine the Great today. So Glinka was the first Russian composer to gain, gain wide recognition within his own country. And is, as we mentioned, he's the genesis. And he's also often regarded as the fountainhead of Russian classical music. Um, his very first musical experiences were from listening to servants singing folk songs. And he had a really musically and artistically rich childhood and he grew up with a lot of tutoring lots of visits to saint petersburg books and all sorts of other fun stuff along with learning the piano violin and piccolo um his only real issue when he was very young was his grandmother apparently put him in a room that was constantly too hot um and spoiled him a little and they say that caused right. him health problems later on huh possibly his death I don't know if I agree with that, but whatever. Um, he was influenced quite a bit by Italian styles. Um, you can hear this idea of bel canto, even in his piano music. So that's Glinka. Catherine the Great uh, lived from 1729 to 1796, and she became the Empress of Russia in 1762. After... Totally legitimately, right? Totally legitimately. Oh, yeah. There was no, like, business? no. Okay, yeah. It was meant to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she had a court opera theater. <laughs> um, and she patronized comic opera in Russia. Um, in Russian. In Russia. In Russian, yes. In the Russian language. And she was also a dram 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 dramatist. 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 <laughs> and wrote three volumes of Russian plays and a fourth one in French. Ooh. She also wrote libretti for five comic operas and a pageant. Catherine modeled her historical spectacle on Shakespeare, the master of chronology plays, and the portrayal of regal characters. O'Malley writes that if the Empress had been only a playwright choosing to imitate Shakespearean drama, she, quote, might have done well to dramatize the scandal of her own ascension to the throne, the intrigue surrounding her husband's death, and the murder in prison of Ivan Antonovich. <gasps> Ivan IV. Um, and the endless parade of her own favorites, events certainly rivaling the Wars of the Roses, end quote. But uh, Catherine thought and wrote as a monarch, so her actions as well as her writing were just there to serve her political ambitions and aspirations. So anyway, what was opera like during this time? So yeah, Russia discovered opera pretty late. It was around 150 years later than Italy did, or rather perfected it. <laughs> <laughs> the first opera to arrive at the St. Petersburg court was Calandra by Italian composer Risotri in 1731. The first uh, opera composed in Russia was Tesval e Procris. Uh, this was also composed by an Italian composer. Um, the libretto, this was actually by a Russian writer, Alexander Surmakov, performed in 1755 in St. Petersburg. As opera in Russia naturally was influenced heavily by Italian taste due to the you know, Italian composers coming in over the time and arriving in Russia and riding there and working there, uh, the musical sounds started to sound a lot like Central European music and their orchestration, their phrasing structure, just kind of their overall sound. But um, just as opera was a key contributor to Central European classical music, opera also assisted in shaping the future of Russian classical music. And they did this by ways of using fairy tales really predominantly in their music. So we have fairy tale operas like Sadko and Ruslaka, like we talked about earlier. And this was a distinct brand of national pre-operatic literature that has been analyzed before, contextualized, and all these other things in these musical languages that tie in with folklore and give it this very unique 
Russianness to this Russian opera. Yeah, folk tales typically hang around the places they originate. And there's, you can see this a lot. There's a huge emphasis on storytelling. This is often true in a lot of Russian opera. So Russia's musical impact on the European concert hall was one of great storytelling and emotional triumph or turmoil. This often kind of was protests and wartime music. Um, mm, typical. Yeah. 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 With so many noteworthy historical events and instances, these compositions were used to tell the personal stories that provided a glimpse into Russia from the viewpoint of those of all socioeconomic statuses. Yeah. Uh, these early operatic spectacles provided lasting impressions that fueled the romantic movement in Russia, culminating in the Russian Five and their pursuit of finding that characteristically Russian sound. So Russian music from way back then even impacts us now, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So like, even from my childhood, uh, one actually the first video game I ever owned was Tetris for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And oh my gosh! Yeah, when you pop that thing in, the first thing that you hear as the title screen pops up is actually the. Um, I the word. Glinka was it Glinka? It was Glinka. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, let's listen to it. Absolutely. Well, let's listen to Glinka first, and then Tetris after. Absolutely. Yeah. still impacts us in video games all kinds of stuff today yeah yes. even Bomb. late bloomers can yeah. achieve greatness this is a good lesson for i'm us. case in point <laughs> <laughs> all right well that pretty much wraps up this installment of abc music history with your lovely hosts a b and c i'm i'm a i'm b and i'm c <laughs> we'll see you next time where we discuss ping pong <laughs> <laughs> 